On this episode of Out of Bounds, Dylan James talk about LSU winning the Natty and bringing it home to the Big Easy. We also talk about the Titans going to Baltimore and telling the Ravens nevermore as they continue their historic run on their way to the AFC Championship. We'll also discuss the Vegas Golden Knights as they're taking a huge gamble as they fired their first coach. Will this gamble pay off? We'll also discuss Zion Williamson's return to the NBA for the New Orleans Pelicans as he's ready for his debut next week. Segments include JT's football recap of the week, the great debate, winners and losers, and final thoughts. We're making it rain like OBJ. This is Out of Bounds. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Dylan James, JT Taylor across the table from me as always. And we are here to talk to you about sports, football, basketball, baseball this week. Crazy news coming out of baseball. Yeah, Dylan, it's been a crazy week in sports this week, especially with baseball, man. Still in science, man. That's just crazy. But don't worry. Me and Dylan, we haven't been stealing any science here. Nope. We're more concerned about this I-4 traffic across our this apartment over here. You can see it from miles away. Yeah. The, it's a parking lot signs. out there. So, I've seen some binoculars coming out of uh, windshields and stuff over there <laughs> looking at us. It's crazy. Yeah, Dylan. So how was your week, man? It was good. We finally made back-to-back episodes. Look at that. We're starting off 2020 on fire, guys. This is a record right now. <laughs> uh, it's been great. We, uh, you know, just been working away, been following all these sports stories and talking about the Boston Red Sox and Houston Astros and um, even the New York Mets were tied up in the whole situation with Carlos Beltran, but we'll talk about it more later on in the baseball segment, but um, going good. Predators are looking good too. They're looking underneath John Hines, the brand new head coach, even though I wanted Peter DeBoer, which obviously he was a hot commodity out there because he is now the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, so... I was onto something, but you know what? I think the Preds are doing just fine with Hines. We'll see how it ends up this season, and we'll see if we can get into a playoff spot before very long. JT, how was your week, sir? It was good, Dylan. Been pretty busy with uh, work and school, so keep myself busy with that. Doing my video projects as always. Uh, just recently uh, signed up to do some uh, freelance work for the mainland, so they cover. It's SB Nation blog. They cover our Orlando soccer scenes. All oh, nice. Orlando soccer sports. So I got that as my little side project to get some work with that. But other than that, man, it's going good. Still doing uh, well at Full Sail. Still doing the Rollins College uh, play-by-play stuff when I can. And, you know, making big things happen while I'm working. So it's all good, man. Good. All yeah, right. we both started school back like last week, right? Yeah, man. How's uh, UCF treating you? It's, so it's going good. Got three classes this semester. So, you know, uh, a little overwhelming at first, but, you know, I'm just starting to get click into it. So uh, it'll be good. It'll be fine. I think we'll have a good semester and uh, finish it strong like we did this, the first semester we had. So it's going to be good. All right, guys. Well, on that note, let's get to it in the sports news. So well, let's talk about some football. And Dylan, we had a Big game on Monday night in New Orleans. Yeah, the college football championship game between LSU Tigers and the Clemson Tigers. Clemson coming in, hoping to repeat last year's feat over Alabama. But unfortunately, they fell short. And Trevor Lawrence was not looking good in this game. I, I, th- I think early on, he looked good. They got an early touchdown. They were up, um, I think, 14-0 at some point, or, or 10-0 at least, 
um, yeah, at Clemson, one point. They were up 17-7, to and then because it was looking good for the Clemson defense. They were slowing down Joe Burrow, frustrating him. They were really frustrated, but I knew Joe Burrow and that offense was eventually going to click, and once LSU got back in the game, there was just no stopping, and there were a few plays that changed the game, but I don't think Dylan even LSU had a touchdown. Uh, that's according to his replay, the one of the receivers did touch the sideline, but the refs missed that. But you know, even if Clemson was down by like seven, LSU was going to find a way to win that game, especially at home. It's in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had to win at home, and I mean there was there were several momentum swings in the very beginning of the game to where it kept it somewhat competitive, but. In the fourth quarter, their line, the middle linebacker for Clemson got ejected because of targeting. targeting yep. So at that point, there I was think, no pressure coming to Joe. I think that really Joe. changed the, the game right there for Clemson, put the nail in the coffin for them. Because it did. They were in it. They were still down by three, and then Joe Burrow gets a touchdown, and then another series plot to get another touchdown. And, I mean, Joe Burrow, he broke records in this game, getting 60 touchdowns. He broke Colt Brennan back in 2006 when he was in Hawaii, breaking that all-time record. He had 56 touchdowns. He broke with four more to get 60. And on top of that, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, he really, I know a lot of people were getting on him like, oh, he's not playing well. He's just not in the game as much. And I'm like, look, it's not Clemson's fault that ACC is terrible this year and they were just beating everybody on their opponents. And I don't think Clemson had seen a defense like LSU's. No, they haven't. And on top of that, I mean, number one defense, number one offense. And Trevor Lawrence, Higgins was hurt. He kept getting, going in and out of the game. And ATN Jr., he kept his team in it, but you knew LSU was going to slow him down at some point. And Trevor Lawrence, he kept overthrowing the ball. He overthrew like 13 times in that game. Yeah, he didn't look good. His stats were 18 of 37 for 234, averaging 6.3 yards an attempt, had zero touchdowns, but he didn't turn over the ball either. I think he had one fumble in the game. Um, but other than that, I mean, he didn't turn over in the air, which was good. But again, he was overthrowing every single wide receiver he had. Um, I think he, I think he probably overthrew everybody at least once in the game. Um, it was just not a good game for Trevor Lawrence. He could not get into a rhythm the entire time. But on the flip side, Joe Burrow starting off kind of slow in this game, but they ended up with a stat line of 31 of 49, 463 yards passing, five touchdowns, a QBR of 97.5. So a tremendous end to his career at LSU, a tremendous end to his Heisman Trophy winning season as well. And just, it just goes to show you he is going to be number one. If, if someone had a question of Joe Burrow going number one in the NFL draft going into this game, that question was answered. He just dominated. This game was just dominated by Joe, uh, by, um, by Burrows. And it, it was a really, really good game for, game for him, good game for LSU. Um, and they've got their first national championship in quite some time. Yeah, since 2007, Dylan. That was their last championship when Les Miles was there. And you mentioned Joe Burrow. He's gonna, we know he's going to be the top pick in the draft. But there's been a lot of rumors with that top pick lately because there's been rumors. I saw a rumor on Twitter that the Carolina Panthers are really going to make a push to Cincinnati to try to get the number one pick. Now, I don't know. David Tepper, I know he's got a lot of money. He's a billionaire. I don't know. He was going to be able to pull it off with the Cincinnati Bengals. But because we'll talk about this in a moment, but Joe Brady is going to go join the offensive coordinator ranks for Carolina. So now there's talk that if they can get somehow get Joe Burrow, then that will be crazy for the Carolina Panthers. But Cincinnati, clearly number one pick. 
my only concern with Cincinnati, if he goes there, is who's going to hold him on the offensive line? <laughs> Cause yeah. Everyone on the – you know, it's the AFC North, man. The Ravens, the Steelers, and yes, the, the Browns. They're all going to be chasing Burrow. So there's two uh, – with that, there are two things that I can think of. So one, do we really want Joe Burrow to go to Carolina to be in the NFC to where it might be – I guess easier competition than a the AFC because the AFC is stacked defensively. Um, yeah, the NFC South. I mean, you he can score some offense with Tampa Bay and New Orleans and Atlanta. So he's definitely going to score points. I mean, with Joe Brady running the offense, and you got Matt Rule, who was very successful at Baylor. It would be an interesting dynamic and see if he can run. But again, I don't see the only way I see it happening is if they give him. Uh, a, a bag of money and a bunch of top players. But Cam Newton and Chris McCaffrey, all this talk, I don't see them trading him to try to get them one pick for the Bengals. Well, my second point was with Cam Newton, I don't think that they're going to want to get rid of Cam Newton. I think that he is a, a very good quarterback. He has taken his team to the Super Bowl before. I think that Matt Rule and you don't think Joe Kyle Brady... Showed enough? Well, I, I just think that Joe Brady will say, you know what? We actually have good pieces here. Let's see what we can do with Cam Newton. Let me talk to Cam Newton for a season and have a full off season with him and see what happens. Because, I mean, did you not see what he did with Joe Bur- Joe Burrow? Like, it was night and day compared to his his sophomore season to his junior season. It was night and day for Joe Burrow. Definitely, definitely. You're well, right about not that. sophomore season, but you know what I mean. His his last season and this season, um, it was it was night and day for Joe Burrow. So I think that Joe Brady is a quarterback whisperer, as we've seen in LSU. Let's see if he can replicate that same thing in the NFL with Cam Newton to give Cam Newton a renaissance, I think you can say. I mean, it, it's. I think Cam Newton has the tools there to become a successful quarterback again in the league. I think he is a successful quarterback in the league, but do I like him? No. Um, but I think he can still be a good quarterback with the Carolina Panthers. Well, the jury's still out, Dylan, so we'll see where the offseason go. But for LSU, hey, you're the champions, and they're going to have to see what they're going to do in the offseason because, as we mentioned, Joe Brady's going to go to Carolina, and today they're – Defensive coordinator Dave Aranda, he just took the Baylor job. Hey. So, Ed Orgeron, enjoy this win, brother. But <laughs> that might be to... the only one you have in quite some time. <laughs> man, the SC West is going to be stacked next year, man. Yeah, it is. You got LSU there. You got Alabama. Nick Saban still there, of course. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. Jerry, still, he's on the hot seat. But, like I said, if you can get a quarterback, who knows what happened with the, with the Aggies. And then you got Mississippi State, who announced last week they're bringing Mike Leach. Mike Leach paying him some big money to leave Washington State to go to Mississippi State. Oh, I was talking to my friends about it, man, the old Miss people, and they don't think he's going to last long. I'm like, I don't know, man. That air raid offense has been getting a bunch of points in Texas Tech and Washington State. So Mike Leach, he's a program changer. He's done everywhere he's been, so we'll see. Old Miss, of course, Lane Kiffin, your boy, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lane and Kiffin. And Arkansas, but Arkansas, we can all agree, is going to be a cupcake for next season. But the SC West, man. And then Tennessee, you know, the prospects are looking pretty good for them. SC East is looking really good for them. Yeah, they just got the offensive lineman that transferred from Georgia. There's some uh, something that happened in Georgia where to make him eligible now, they actually sued the school because he got a part of his finger taken off during a recruitment oh. process or something. I don't know. Um, it's kind of in the weeds. I haven't really read into it that much. But Tennessee does look pretty good with their roster. And, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt is putting in a system there and a mindset there 
that everyone's buying into. So as long as they keep that mindset, as long as they keep that tenacity that they had um, in their regular season games and the um, also the bowl game they played in too, I think they can do some really good things. But speaking of the LSU and, cha- and Clemson championship game, at the very end of the game, on the field, OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., as they say, was on the field celebrating with some LSU players and decided to just bring out wads of cash and started slapping it in players' hands. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash. I mean, Randy Moss was there, and his son, Thaddeus Moss, was there too. But. He was. He was he, I, don't, I don't believe he was one of the players that was getting the money. I think it was Jefferson. I heard it was um, all seniors, like all the players that were graduating. Yeah, they were graduating. So at that point, they're looking at NCAA violation because that's paying a college player, which we've talked about paying college players on the show before. We're both... Uh, we are both in agreement that it should be done. There should be something in place where um, they are paid. I mean, it might not be as much as they're getting paid in the NFL. I mean, it's nothing like that. But I do think there is a, is something they can get paid for with their um, their likeness and things of that nature because they are bringing so much money into these schools. It's unheard of. But um, do you think this was a huge deal on OBJ's part? And what do you think NCAA is going to do about it? Well, like I said, Dylan, I was initially confused because – First, they were saying, oh, no, OBJ was giving out fake dollar bills. They weren't real. Yeah, I saw that, too. I was like, that doesn't look like Monopoly money to me. what? That looks real to me. Then I heard, no, it's real money, guys. Yeah, Joe Burrow came out. Joe Burrow came out and said, no, he was handing out real cash. Yeah, Joe Burrow, he's probably been smoking those cigars. (laughs) But I don't blame him. I probably would, too. Yeah, right? uh, After winning a national championship. But... uh, Man, the NCAA, I don't know, Dylan. It's, it's going to be real to see. I, I know they're going to investigate because it's the NCAA. they got to investigate everything. And we'll see. I don't think LSU, they're not, they're not going to they're gonna lose a championship. They're not going to like lose your trophies and all like that. If anything, they might get like a probation, maybe lose a, a scholarship or two, but nothing major. I don't, I don't think so either. And again, it was OBJ who was doing it. There's video evidence. It's not the players going up to OBJ saying, hey, give me money or, or whatever. It's, it, it's, it's OBJ. He was out there. Just handing money out to people. Um, I, I think it was OBJ's fault in the first place. So he'll he'll get something for this, a slap on the wrist, maybe. Um, I don't think it's a huge deal. But then after the game as well, they were in the locker room, and there was an off-duty police officer from Louisiana inside the locker room telling the the student athletes not to smoke because they were smoking cigars, like we saw in that famous photo mm-hmm. of Joe Burrow sitting on the couch smoking a cigar. Um, because they are college students. It is a college game still. They're not supposed to, not supposed to be smoking with tobacco uh, during a school function. Anyway, um, so OBJ went behind this police officer as he was bent over talking to these kids and slapped him on the butt. So there is a warrant out for his arrest right now for a simple battery against this police officer um, because of the whole fiasco. And there's video evidence of it as well. So, in that situation, what do you think is going to happen to OBJ? Oh, man, OBJ. Like I said, he'll, he'll probably get, they'll have to go to court. They'll probably, he'll probably reach some settlement before it even gets serious, where they'll have to pay a bunch of money. We know OBJ got money. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, of course he does. I, he was hanging I, out to the players. I know, right? So, yeah, I don't, I mean, he'll probably, like I said, like LSU or OBJ, he'll get another slap and a wrist in this situation, unfortunately. But that's just how I see it. Settlement gets out of court, and then there you go. So, OBJ, a tough week for him, I have to say the less. He just doesn't need to be reckless. He he keeps putting himself in the limelight in the wrong situations. Like, first of all, why are you there in the locker room? 
at that point. I mean, I understand you want to celebrate. It's LSU. It's your alma mater. I understand you want to be out there celebrating with the players, things of that nature. Just let the team have their moment. Let the team have their moment by themselves because they're the ones who got to that point in the first place. And then afterwards or on the field like you were doing before, not handing out money, um, just out there enjoying it with the players. But don't, I mean, the locker room to me, I think it's kind of like an off-limits kind of area, in my opinion. I think it should be an off-limits kind of area so the players can enjoy it themselves. Enjoy it with their family. Enjoy it with um, their coaches. Their the, the media could be in there, I guess. That's fine. But it just seems kind of interesting to me to put the players in that certain situation having OBJ in the locker room in the first place. So OBJ just needs to figure out, hey, don't be doing this this crazy stuff in the limelight. Don't be getting in the news. Don't be getting headlines because you're only affecting your image and also the image of the Cleveland Browns as well since you're still a player on their team. So stop doing that crap. Um, let's move on to the NFL Divisional Round, the recap of the weekend. JT and I were very excited about this weekend. This weekend was huge for the Tennessee Titans, beating the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, holding the number one scoring offense in the AFC and most likely the the league. To 12 points. To 12 points. One touchdown, a failed two-point conversion, and two field goals. Yeah, Dylan, this was very impressive for the Tennessee Titans. And what impressed me the most about this game, Dylan, was the Titans just took it to the Ravens. Like, we don't care. We're just going to go for it. And... They gave the ball to Derrick Henry, and he just kept going and going and going with uh, 195 yards and an impressive display. And Ryan Tannehill, just like he does what he does, game manage the ball, don't throw a lot, but just keep the pace going, keep the clock, everything going for the Titans. And every time I looked at him, it was 7 nothing, 14 nothing, 21-3, to 28-6. I'm like, oh, my, wow, Tennessee. So they just took it to the Ravens, and they were stunned. And... The Ravens tried to make a late push, but it just wasn't enough, Dylan. So the Titans did a very impressive job and another upset. Everyone said, we we're going to lose to New England. We we're going to lose to New England. We beat the defending Super Bowl champions. Oh, we're going to lose to Baltimore. You're not going to be the number one team in the offense in the league. Guess what, guys? We beat them. So now we're off to the AFC Championship game. And who are we going to play, Dylan? The Kansas City Chiefs. That's right, Dylan. The Kansas City Chiefs had their weekend against the Houston Texans on Sunday. And, well... It didn't start off well for the Chiefs, being down 24 nothing. When I was watching this game, I was like, are the Texans really up 24 What? And this was like the beginning of the second quarter. I was like, what is going on out there? But then the plays changed where there was like a, a, a penalty, and then the Chiefs went down and score, and then the Texans threw an interception, and then they started getting back in the game. Next thing you know, they just never looked booked. They outscored the Texans, Dylan, and that, since that second quarter – 51 to 7. Incredible. Like, that was just insane. It's the largest overcome deficit in NFL history in a single quarter. They overcame their 24 point deficit in the second quarter. Just phenomenal. Just, it's so quick. They're so quick. They're so fast. They're so just powerful on offense that you just cannot stop them with a defense. You just have to go toe to toe with them and score points, which. People thought the same thing about the Baltimore Ravens as well. They were like, oh, well, Baltimore can put up a 50-er on you anytime they want to. Um, but obviously, they couldn't against the Titans because the defense was a little a little bit too stingy when it came to the Baltimore Ravens offense. But no, I mean, I'll give it to the Chiefs. Chiefs did a great job in this game, came back 
with a vengeance. Travis Kelsey had a, a huge game in that one too. Um, Tyreek Hill, as normal, went off in that game as well. So, I mean, just a huge game from the Kansas City Chiefs. Texans did not have a shot in this game in the first place. We talked about it last week. We both chose Kansas City to win this game because the Texans were coming into this game limping anyway. I was actually very shocked about the 24-0 at first as well. And then all of a sudden, Kansas City just turned it on. It just it looked as though Kansas City said, you know what, we're going to let them score a few touchdowns to make them <laughs> know, feel right? good about themselves. And then we're just going to turn it on. And we're just going to beat them, like, handedly. And they did. And it uh, it was just a huge game for Kansas City. They're going to have some high confidence going into this weekend for the AFC Championship game against the Titans. But we will talk about that and, re- and um, preview that game in just a few moments. But a huge game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Definitely um, a, a game to remember for them. All right, Dylan. Well, let's move over to the NFC. And let's talk about the number one team in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, getting their first playoff win in six years with the 27-10 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. And Jimmy Garoppolo was very impressed in this game. And the the 49ers defense just stuffed Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, and the Vikings in this one in in the Bay Area. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I see a comparison between Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill because they are both – they're not flashy. They're not the kind of quarterbacks that are going to be, you know, putting up 40, 50 – pass attempts in a game to win a game they're not going to do that they're game managers and Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely a game manager he he makes the plays he needs to make he doesn't really throw deep balls that much Ryan Tannehill does but and Garoppolo does not he usually throws uh, short to intermediate routes for his wide receivers and he lets his wide receivers do their thing and they're doing the right things obviously um in, in this game for sure yeah they shut down the Minnesota offense which with Kirk Cousins I mean that offense is actually pretty good and they have some good pieces around him as well Stefan Diggs Adam Thielen um they have Delvin Cook they have Rudolph Rudolph is a Kevin yeah. Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph as well so they have some good players in their offense and they shut him down to 10 points which that's that's huge right there uh, I think the San Francisco 49ers the biggest success they have is on the defensive side of the ball their defense is a very, very stout defense, um, and so it's really it's it's interesting to see that because I mean they, their defense back when they went to Super Bowl the first time um, just a few years ago with Colin Kaepernick the first time they went to Super Bowl but the latest yeah, back time in they went to Super, yeah yep, 2013 yep. with Colin Ravens. Kaepernick their defense was stout and that's the reason why they went to the Super Bowl in the first place too. So now they have Richard Sherman on their defense. They have some really really good key players on defense that um, it's going to be tough for any team playing up against them. And they play up against a very formidable foe in Green Bay, but they handled them uh, pretty well in the regular season. Um, But Green Bay played this weekend as well, and they played up against the Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks, I said this last week, Seahawks, they just, against quality opponents, they do not play well. They they do not win those games because they just don't have the firepower to hold up against a team like Green Bay. Well, to be fair, Seattle, they were coming in this game with a lot of injuries. They have no running backs other than Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> and he's only played like two games. Yeah. So Seattle was really struggling. They were down 21-3. to you got to give Russell Wilson some credit, though. He tried to lead him back, and the Seahawks just came up short. And D.J. Metcalf did okay in this game for them, but Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams – Eight times, bro, connecting eight times for 160 yards. I mean, 
You just can't top that. So nope. Green Bay, you, got, you know, they did what they do. They went at home at Lambeau Field, and now they will play the San Francisco 49ers. So, Dylan, we, it's now the AFC Championship Week in the NFL. We got Titans Chiefs, or in this case, Tennessee Barbecue against Kansas City Barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which one's better? Which oh, one's better? Man. Oh, come on, man. You know, I, I have to go with Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I, I go with Tennessee Barbecue. I haven't had KC, so I can't judge on KC when I haven't had it yet. All right. All right. But I had Tennessee. That's good. Oh, Tennessee Barbecue is really great. Good. Oh, yeah. It's very good. I mean, mm-hmm. Kansas City, I haven't had at Kansas City before because obviously I haven't been there before. Um, but their defense, their barbecue is supposed to be really, really good. Here's my thing with barbecue. Like, I know we're talking about food on the podcast, but me being from Texas, we, we we always think our barbecue's good. But you go to North Carolina, they say their barbecue's good. You go to Tennessee, St. Louis, Kansas City, everybody says their barbecue's good. So it's really hard to to differ because if it's good, like you're gonna eat it no matter what. Yeah, exactly. The only thing we can all agree is here in Florida, we we don't got no barbecue. We have no barbecue Do not here at eat all. No. Barbecue here in Florida, it's no. terrible, terrible here. The but best, anyway, yeah, yeah, come, come back to you. Oh, you're gonna say something? Different? No, we 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 can keep going about oh, this. Okay. We're not going to though. Right. Let's just continue Let's with get the, back uh, to the sports talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> football preview Before we here. Get distracted some more, but yes. So we got the Chiefs and Titans, and then in, in the NFC we got 49ers, Packers. Dylan, I think for Tennessee, they just have to keep doing what they're doing. If they give the ball to Derrick Henry, get the, the high management for the receivers, and you know. And get like Corey Davis, and just get the momentum going. Pounce on the Chiefs early. Now, don't be like the the Texans. Just okay, we're turning over the ball, and then it was late an egg. They gotta keep at it, and I'm sure Tennessee will do that. We played them a uh, what was a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and we beat them back in Nashville. Yeah, by a field goal. Now I know some people say, "Oh, well, Patrick Mahomes was just coming back, and he wasn't all healthy." Yeah, whatever. Whatever. But, but okay. Patrick Holmes is playing better now, but Tennessee, they know how they play. Mike Vrabel, he knows how the style of offense and defense he wants to play. And like you said, defense tends to win championships. So I think, Dylan, the Tennessee Titans are going to find their way to get to Miami for the Super Bowl. I think they will, too. I think the Titans are playing really solid football right now. Mike Vrabel came out saying, look, the Titans are focused on three things. One, running the ball. Two, making stops on defense. Crucial stops like that fourth and one two times against the Baltimore Ravens. That's right. And three, creating turnovers. Creating turnovers has been big for us. In the first game against the Patriots in Foxborough, we had the one pick by Logan Ryan, who ran it in for a touchdown to seal the deal there and win the game in the wild card. Then we had two picks last week. We had one um, from, from Vaccaro. Kenny Vaccaro got an interception late. And also Kevin Byard got an interception too. So the mayor of Murfreesboro got an interception in that game. So our defense has been creating turnovers. They've been getting to the quarterback. They're creating pressure. Even if they're not getting to the quarterback, our players are getting too, uh, getting close enough to the quarterback to where they feel the pressure and they want to throw away the ball. And that's why Lamar Jackson last week was, he had a lot of miscues with his wide receivers because we were getting to him. He felt the pressure and he was throwing the ball too early or too late and it wasn't working well for the offense there. And so all we have to do is throw throw Patrick Mahomes and the, and the offense off of off kilter, essentially. They have to make it to where it's tough for them to get it going. If they get it going, if Kansas City keeps it going and they just start touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, it's very hard to stop them. 
But we saw in the regular season, they went up on us, I think it was like 14-0 or something along those lines. They scored a few touchdowns on us before we started scoring. And, you know, we came back in that game. And that's something we might have to do in this game. Um, I Hopefully we keep our streak going of red zone touchdowns because our red zone touchdowns we've been 11 of 11 in the red zone this year in the in the postseason in touchdowns 11 of 11 we haven't seen our field goal kicker on the field once except for extra points like that's well hope it doesn't come down to that (laughs) hopefully it doesn't either um i mean that that wouldn't be the best thing but i mean i i have faith in joseph i think joseph will be okay but it's just huge. I think this game will be huge for the Titans. If we win this game, I I really, really don't see the Titans losing in the Super Bowl because they are playing very well right now, very confident football, and it's going to be a tough road for Patrick Mahomes. All right, Dylan. And in the NFC, we got the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Dylan, the 49ers are on the verge of doing a complete turnaround. They lost 12 games last year, and now, Dylan... They are one win away from making the Super Bowl for the first time since, as you mentioned, 2013. Now, they're going to play the Packers again, and they played each other earlier this season, and that game was a blowout. The Packers, or Packers, excuse me, the 49ers blew out the Packers 38-7, and Aaron Rodgers kept turning the ball over. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. This time, I think the game will be a lot close. Uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, that's combo's going to keep it up against Nick Bosa and that defense for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, like you said, I think if you keep managing the ball, give that ball to George Kittle, the 49ers, Dylan, I think we're going to find a way to win this game at home, and they will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And that's what I want to see, Dylan. The two bet, well, I know the Titans weren't ranked the best defense, but their defense got them to the, it's going to get yeah, the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, it'll get them to the Super Bowl. And then you have the 49ers, who have been the top defense in the NFC, and it'll be a defensive battle in Miami at the Super Bowl. But yeah. who you got, Dylan? So in this game... Here's a stat for you. I saw it on TV the other day. There have been seven instances in the history of NFL where teams who meet in the regular season actually meet up in the AFC or NFC championship game. Seven instances. The teams who won the regular season matchup six out of seven times won the game they played in the championship game. So the Titans and the 49ers have a really good shot of winning this game to move on to the to the Super Bowl. This will be the first time that a sixth seed has gone to the Super Bowl um, in, gosh, knows how long. But we're not talking about the Titans. We're talking about the 49ers and, and Packers. The Packers, to me, it, it's... I, 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 You can never count out Aaron Rodgers. You can never count out Aaron Rodgers and, that, and the defense they have. And that, that's something I never thought I would have to say. But the defense in Green Bay is actually very good as well. Um, I think that they just had an off. They had to have had an off game in the regular season against the 49ers at first. Um, but I mean, the Packers are a good team. They can put up points, and we saw that in in when they played against Seattle. Um, that you know they 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 hung on. They hung on in the very end. They shut down Russell uh, Russell Wilson um, to where he couldn't score enough points to come back in that game. So uh, you know, as much as I want to say Green Bay in this game. And much of I've sang their praises. The 49ers are just a really, really good team defensively. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo makes the plays he needs to make to win games. And I think it's going to be uh, a really good game for the 49ers to where they're going to win this game against the Packers. I do agree with you. It's going to be closer than it was in the regular season. But I think the Niners are going to win as well. So 
we're both in uh in we both agree this week. Yep, now we just got to see if it will happen. All right, Dylan, well let's talk about some hockey news and the big news in hockey this week, Sidney Crosby, who's been out since like November, has made his comeback with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Pittsburgh Penguins got off to a good start on Tuesday night getting a touchdown against the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, they did. Um, it was a huge game for him. He got one goal, three assists. So a four-point game coming back in his return. Uh, seven goals altogether for the team that night against the Minnesota Wild, which the Wild are just, they're not the best team this season. <laughs> they're not playing very well. Um, but, I mean, hey, Pittsburgh put it on them and had a really good homecoming for Sidney Crosby. Um, he's going to return to form. I mean, he's already returned to form in that game. If that's any, any, um, uh, any example or any, uh, foreshadowing for what's to come. But I think Sidney Crosby will definitely keep the team in contention, even though, um, Gensel is out for the season because of his shoulder, um, Malkin and, and Crosby, those two together, they're, they're magic together. And the Washington Capitals are, <laughs> they know that firsthand. Oh, we know that firsthand. That's why I'm ner- always nervous when we play them. But Pittsburgh, they've been on a tear even without Crosby. And they were going out from struggling in the middle of the pack in the uh, Metropolitan Division to now in second place. And I know right now they're down to Boston right now, who's that Tuka Rask now. Mm. And they are still carrying it in the second place. I mean, we have a big lead, so the Caps, I don't think are going to blow it. But it looks like. The Pittsburgh will play somebody in the first round, the Islanders or Carolina or Philadelphia, and then they'll beat them, and then we'll beat whoever's the lowest wild card team, and then the second, hopefully this time, that didn't happen last year with thanks to Columbus, and then hopefully we'll play each other again. So that will be, you know, biggest rivalry in sports, Ovechkin and Crosby. I mean, that's, that's how it is. So speaking of uh, teams winning and everything, a team that has not been winning lately the Golden Knights, they have coming off a four-game losing streak, and the ownership announced today that they will fire their coach, their first-ever coach, Gerard Gallant. So, Dylan, what are your thoughts on that, considering the Vegas Golden Knights, first year, two seasons ago, made all the way to Stanley Cup Finals. Then last year, they made the playoffs after struggling with their injuries. They made it in the playoffs. This year, I know they've been dealing with injuries, with William Carlson being out, uh, Mark or Mark Andre Fleury being in and out on the, on the goalkeeper, and PK or his brother Malcolm, Malcolm Subban. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just they were making a push, Dylan. They're only four points out of that final wild card spot in the Western Conference. So, Dylan, why do you think the ownership decided part ways now? And they brought in someone that you campaigned for last week. Yeah, right. Um, so this whole move happened because of poor goaltending. That's the main reason why. There were injuries with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. I know he had a personal issue, too. I believe his father passed away this season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Malcolm Subban being injured, things of that nature, too. Um, they've been kind of rotating through goaltenders this season, and the team has just not been able to defend in front of the goaltender to where that's why they've been losing their games, because that the, their goaltending has not been very good, and they haven't been making up for the defensive lapses they've seen in their team. So um, the biggest surprise to me was they were actually talking about a contract extension last week with Gallant, which... Wait, wait. Didn't I hear this story before last week when you were telling me that they were talking to Peter Laviette uh, before he got fired, that they were going to give him some more time? They might have. And they were talking about how um, 
David Poyle had said, I'm not going to make a coaching change right now. That's not in the cards. In the cards, we're going to be looking to see if we're going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline, things of that nature. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think that he was thinking about a coaching change. He knew there was a coaching change coming and just did not want to tell us about it. So I think he was just kind of keeping it close to the vest in that situation. But with the Vegas Golden Knights, there was no public announcement of talking about a contract extension or anything, but it came out. Today, um, uh, one of the reporters, I think it was Elliot Friedman, said that, yeah, they had actually talked about a contract ex- extension as early as last week, um, and they, it kinda, I guess it fizzled very, very quickly. Um, but yeah, so Peter DeBoer got hired as the head coach right after Gallant got relieved of his coaching duties. So Peter DeBoer was a coach that I was looking at for the Predators. I think he was a very good defensive coach. Um, he did a really good job with San Jose. And so Vegas saw San Jose a lot the past two seasons. Oh, yeah. They played him twice in the playoffs. They liked what they saw from Peter DeBoer, obviously. And so now he is the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. So at this point, I mean, with Peter DeBoer behind the bench, depending on what happens with the goaltending, if goaltending can get shored up, I mean, Vegas can make it into the playoffs and make some noise. Peter DeBoer is a good coach. Just kind of, we have to see how different his system is compared to Gallant's system um, and see if the team responds well. Yeah, Dylan, the new coach effect has been kind of a mixed bag this season with some teams that have made coachings earlier, like in November, December, and then your Preds last week. So I'm not surprised because usually in the NHL in January, during this time of the year, is where you see coaches make changes, player teams make changes. And in part, it's because when we're getting close to the All-Star break, which this year will be in St. Louis, then after that, you have the NHL trade deadline next month. A lot of teams are going to be making moves. Teams that are on the bottom that are trying to get top picks are going to move some players to teams that are trying to contend to make the playoffs. So maybe Vegas makes a couple moves. They bring some players to help Pete DeBoer out. And like I said, there were only four points going into tonight. So they're still in the race. I know Arizona surprising everybody leading the Pacific Division. Then you got two, Cal- the, uh, two Alberta teams, excuse me, Calgary and Edmonton in second and third place. And then I think Winnipeg has one wild card spot, and then someone in the Central Division has the other. I think it's Colorado or St. Louis, one of those teams. But yeah, Dylan, that's very surprising there. And move after after the success they had the last couple of years. But I get it from a business perspective, you know, you got to take a shot. And now we'll see what's going to happen. They weren't the only team that made change in at least the coaching staff. The New Jersey Devils who I know have been the worst team in the league this season. But they obviously parted ways with former coach John Hines, who's now in Nashville, last month. And then last week they announced that they're going to let their GM, former GM Ray Shiro, who used with success with the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, go. And for the Devils, Dylan, they were coming in this season with a lot of fanfare, a lot of hope after a struggling season. Uh, and, and they brought in P.K. Subban. Everyone was saying, oh, we're going to – Make some noise this year. It didn't happen. No. And now they part ways with their coach, their GM. So where the Devils go from here? I mean, the Devils have to find a GM, first of all. They have to find a permanent GM. And they just have to figure out what's happening with this team to figure out if the talent is actually there they thought was there or if it was a coaching system thing that needed to be changed. I forgot to mention, they also did trade it, trade it, excuse me, Taylor Hall earlier in the season. They did, yeah. So they got rid of one of their best players they've had over the past three or four or five seasons. Um, you know, it, it, they have talent there. They had the number one overall draft pick there. They also have um, 
they have P.K. Subban there, too. So, they, I mean, have good pieces there in New Jersey. It's just they can't put it together. Um, I think at a certain point, they're going to have to look at themselves in the mirror and see, you know, is it us? Is it coaching? Is like, what's happening? I think they're starting to evolve, but this team is quickly turning into a rebuilding team. And I don't think that's something that P.K. Subban signed up for when he got traded there. He wasn't expecting it to be a rebuilding team, but he's going to have to put this defense on his shoulders at least, um, and maybe even the team as well. Yeah, Dylan. Well, one name I keep hearing for the New Jersey Devils who might try to take the lead and rebuild this project, Martin Brodeur, the former Devils goalie who was a star for that franchise, helped win some Stanley Cups, and he's within the organization now. So there's talk that... He may basically pull a Steve Eiserman like we did in Tampa Bay and now Detroit. Take over the, team, the GM role and try to rebuild that franchise. So we'll see. The, I mean, the, the New York metropolitan area, other than the Islanders, the, the Rangers are down right now and now the Devils. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Devils do to turn it around and, of course, get a long-term coach, as you mentioned, for that franchise. All right, Dylan. Well, it's time for our Preds Caps update. So, Dylan, your Preds are... What is it, streaming error? <laughs> they were on TV yeah, right now. Yeah, we were watching it on TV, streaming it from, <laughs> the Ducks. from NHL TV, and it's not working right now. Anyway, they are playing the Ducks tonight. They are 2-1 and one under Coach Hines. They had one game last week. The very first game, Hines sat in. Um, he was behind the bench, but he didn't coach. They lost that game. But it showed some glaring things that needed to be fixed. And so Coach Hines went in, started practicing with the team the next day, and turned some things around. He's actually turned some things around defensively, offensively. A lot of our chances we've been getting on net, a lot of the goals we've been getting have been high-danger chances, which is a really good thing because before we were just getting um, just okay chances on net. We were just shooting it from the outside and hoping someone would be in front of the net to tip it in. Um, but yeah, they've been ha- some high-danger ch- chances Shots on goals and everything. Um, they are 2-1 and one with Hines behind the bench. Tonight is his first game at home actually coaching the team. So he kind of sees it as a homecoming game for him. And he hopes that the team can come back and win this game. They are down 1-0 right now in the first period. But we'll see if that will, uh, will get better as the game goes on. But I think the Preds can come back in this game against Anaheim, which Anaheim's one of the worst teams in the league this season anyway. Um, but yeah, we'll see ha- what happens with the Ducks the rest of this game. So JT, what about the Washington Capitals? Well, the Washington Capitals, as I mentioned, we're still leading the Metropolitan Division. The Capitals have been playing some kind of 500 hockey, been 5-5 five and five in our last 10 games, but we've been more winning games a lot lately than losing games. Uh, we beat Philadelphia, then we had that uh, last Saturday, that 5-1 beatdown with the Devils, speaking of the Devils, and then we beat the Carolina Hurricanes on Monday, and then we're playing the Devils right now. We're beating them 3-1. to one. And the big surprise has been Ilya Samsonov. He's been playing very well for the Washington Capitals in net. While Brayden Holpe, he's been kind of up and down this season, trying to get his form. But I think Holpe, you know, he's just trying to just cruise on cruise control right now until we get in the playoffs. Because that's when I know Brayden Holpe is going to show up. Ovechkin will do what he does. TJ Oshie does what he does. Tom Wilson does what he does. And offensively, we're getting pucks in the back of the net for the Capitals. So we just got to keep doing what we're doing, Dylan, and keep the hot streak going for the Washington Capitals. And it looks like we're going to make the playoffs, but hard to determine what's going to happen once we get there. So you know how it is with the Capitals. We'll make the playoffs. That's not a problem. But when we get there, that's when the real nervous and season starts for us. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens with the Capitals and the Preds going into the playoff season. But first off, we have the trade deadline coming up first in February. So we'll see 
what moves are made for both of our teams and the rest of the teams in the NHL. Now let's move on to the NBA. We'll talk about Orlando Magic. They stunned the Lakers last night in L.A. by one point. 119 to 118 was the final score. Markel Fultz decided to wake up last night, and he played some very good basketball against the Lakers. And um, Aaron Gordon actually defended very well against LeBron James last night. Oh, yeah, Dylan. And I saw on Twitter his dunk he did. He literally did uh pass to himself on the glass yeah. and then throws it down. Incredible. Like, wow. Incredible. What a play. Yeah. But, yes, the Magic, Dylan, they beat the Lakers last night. They're going to play the Clippers later tonight. And the Magic have done well. They've won two in a row. We're still in, in the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. So, the Orlando Magic... Off to a good start for the new year, so let's see if they can keep it up. Your uh, Zion Williamson, he's finally going to make his debut. They announced after he tore his meniscus and getting recovery from that surgery, he the New Orleans Pelicans have announced they're going he's going to make his debut next week on Wednesday against the San Antonio Spurs. So, oh, your Spurs! It's going to be look, man. The Spurs have been struggling. We're in ninth place in the Western Conference. We're it's it's a long season, Dylan. Long season for the Spurs fan here. But the uh, Zion Williamson, I mean, I'm kind of happy to see him finally get to play because I just want to see how he does. I know I was concerned when he got drafted. Well, what if he gets hurt because he was hurt at Kentucky? Or I'm sorry, Kentucky Duke. Excuse me, Duke. Whoa, not Kentucky. Yeah, don't do that. My bad, Duke fans. So, <laughs> hey, they had a rough week at uh, Duke fans with that Clemson. Yeah, they did. Sure did. So, But anyway, so... Zion Williamson, it'll be interesting to see how he plays. Uh, the Pelicans, their season's pretty much, I don't see him cheering them to make it to the playoffs, but get some momentum, get some powers going, and you still got, uh, you still got, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Ball, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. Still there, and the players they got from the Lakers, so Ingram and all that. So we'll see what happens with the Pelicans as they try to get their season turnaround once Williamson gets here. The Houston Rockets, Dylan, they got beat by pretty badly by the Trailblazers last night. The Trailblazers were coming into this game, you know, on a struggle. And but Carmelo Anthony's been playing very well for the Trailblazers. While the Rockets, they've been slipping. They lost two in a row. They're dropping in the standings right now. And Mike D'Antoni is saying, "It's not time to panic, guys. We're doing okay." And we're like, "Okay, guys, you beat the T Wolves, but..." You lost to the Grizzlies, who we'll talk about in a minute, mm-hmm. and the Trailblazers. You play the Lakers on Saturday, and you got the Thunder, who's been playing pretty well, and the Nuggets. So Houston needs to get the ball rolling pretty quickly because we got the All-Star game coming up, and we know what happens at the All-Star game. Teams start getting hot, going crazy runs, stuff like that. So we'll see what happens with the Houston Rockets, see if they can turn around. Yeah, they haven't looked good. Speaking of the Grizzlies, Dylan, your Memphis Grizzlies, they've been on a tear John Morant's been carrying that off. John Morant's been killing it. For the uh, Grizzlies, and they're on a six-game win streak. Yeah, the, the Memphis Grizzlies are, are tearing it up right now. Um, they're looking really, really good so far this season. And John Morant, like you said, he went off. Um, he's been going off recently, too. So, he, he you know, it's yeah, funny you because... you guys beat the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, you look at it... And, and you, you beat s- Houston. So, yeah, you guys are off to... Uh, and you beat my Spurs, but that's not a surprise these days. <laughs> so, yeah, man, the uh, Grizzlies are on a tear right now. Yeah, it's absolutely killing it. John Morant was not an aberration in the draft. He is the real deal. Um, yeah, I heard he was Memphis. talking some smack, saying some, dropping some expletives to James Harden when they played the Rocks the other night. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but, you know, hey, as long as you're putting it, putting it out there on the court and you're putting up good 
good points and and playing ball. I mean, talk trash. I mean, Michael Jordan did it. So, <laughs> you know, hey, if he's playing well and he's still able to put up the points he's putting up right now, talk all the trash you want. <laughs> yeah, so let's head on to our segments. Uh, JT, it's time to you for your football recap of the week, and the microphone is all yours. Thanks, Dylan. And for the football recap of the week, we're going to discuss the January transfer window that's going on in Europe. So just to give a couple moves that's happened, Slatan uh, Ibrahimovic was, of course, a free agent after leaving the LA Galaxy. So now he is signed with AC Milan, and he scored a goal this past weekend for AC Milan's first goal, being back with the team for his second stint. And then, of course, there's been a lot of talk in the news about uh, Javier Chicharito Hernandez talk about him leaving Sevilla and going to LA Galaxy. Now, we've heard that there have been talking to try to work on a contract deal to bring him to the LA Galaxy to replace Slatan, but nothing's been officially announced yet, and there's been talk that there's concern that the deal might break down, so we'll have to see what happens with that. And then, of course, with Manchester United, they announced today that Ashley Young will be departing the club. He is going to be joining Inter Milan for uh, the January transfer window, so he'll be there with them for the next... Uh, for the next uh, couple of seasons. Speaking of Manchester United, they play Liverpool this weekend, and Manchester United's been really sh- kind of up and down lately. They begin in the wins. They beat Wolverhampton in the FA Cup, and now they got to turn around against Liverpool, who's been on fire. 16 points ahead against their rivals, Manchester City, and Manchester United, I know we kind of stunned Liverpool get a draw in our last game, but this game, guys, I just don't see it happening. I see Liverpool getting the three points, unfortunately, and Liverpool... Just give them the title already. They're going to win it. They're going to win it. All right, so Orlando City, they've been making some moves. Orlando City, they had announced that they have signed from uh, Corinthians. They had signed Junior Urso, the 30-year-old, uh, bringing him from Brazil with his experience. He's going to definitely help the defense for Orlando City SC. And Orlando City SC, they have not announced their uh, spring training or spring training. That's baseball. Their preseason schedule yet. <laughs> uh, but we expect to get an announcement on that shortly. Right now, Orlando's been kind of busy right now with the Florida Cup going on right now. Uh, so that's going on right now in Orlando for soccer. And we also have Orlando Pride news. The Orlando Pride had their draft today, the NWSL draft. They traded to get the number three pick, and they select Taylor Korniak in the draft. They also picked up uh, defenders uh, Courtney Peterson with the number seven pick. And the UCF uh, Knights player, Kanya Plummer, with the number 10 pick. Hmm. So they're picking up some local players. Orlando City did the same thing, picked up a local player uh, from uh, the UCF Knights to play for Orlando City. So it's going to be very interesting. Orlando, Both Orlando teams kind of making some adjustments with their academy, bringing players from the college draft, and bringing in to bring younger for the academy because that's what Orlando City is focused on and Orlando Pride. And it's been a struggle season for those, but those teams look optimistic to bounce back this season. So we'll see what happens with the Orlando teams. And, of course, in, up in Canada, there's been news about in Ottawa, of course, the Ottawa Fury, they suspend operation folded in November after leaving the USL. But Ottawa may get another team from Atletico Madrid as it's been rumors that Atletico Madrid – it's going to bring a team to Canadian Premier League to be the eighth team in that league, and it's going to be invested by a club from Spain, Atletico Madrid. Nothing official yet, but we've been hearing rumors. We may hear something about that by the end of the week. So we'll see what happens to that. For the Orlando Seawolves, just a quick update. They have, since a new coach came in, Tom Traxler, it's been a struggle against Kansas City and the Florida Tropics, losing both games. But they have an opportunity to bounce back on January 19th against the Florida Tropics, and then they will play a home game on the 22nd 
against St. Louis. And that, guys, will conclude my football recap of the week. Now let's head on over to the great debate. This is our uh, segment we just created last week where we debate some of the biggest questions and um, events happening in the sports world right now. So let's start off with the first one. Should MLB vacate the Astros and Red Sox World Series titles after signed cheating scandal? JT, I'll start with you. Man, Dylan, I had to think about this. And even though some people think morally, yes, MLB should, I don't think there's not much they can do, Dylan. I mean, you really can't. What are you going to do? Are you going to tell those players that won the championship, oh, we're going to take all your rings, we're going to take your trophy, we're going to take your banners, all that, your shirts. Like, you just can't erase that. This is not NCAA college sports where, okay, USC had an ineligible player, Reggie Bush, and we're going to take your national championship away. And we don't see NCAA be like, oh, okay, Ohio State or, or Texas, because they had an eligible we're going to the, the championship. They don't do that. And baseball, they're not. I know the Dodgers have been complaining. Or the Yankees. Oh, the Astros, they cheated us. They cheated. Yankees, I don't want to hear it. You make more money than the Astros. I don't want to hear it, Yankees yeah, fans. Yeah, come on. So, uh, yeah, Dylan, I mean, it's. It, I, I think it's just tough to say take all the players. Because, yeah, they view the organization as cheaters. But. Not only everyone cheated, maybe just some players in the organization in the front office, obviously using that video technology. And look, it ain't just the Astros. The Red Sox did it, obviously. And then you have the situation with the New York Mets bringing Carlos Beltran, and they decided to let him go after that whole situation. So it's, it's very unfortunate. Well, he stepped down, he stepped quote unquote. Down. He stepped down but himself. Look, look at the NFL, Dylan. The, the Patriots, they've been accused of cheating for a thousand years. And are we taking Tom Brady's six Super Bowls away? No. No. But that's just my point. Dylan, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are, look, MLB did not say any players' names in the report they brought out last week, or this week anyway. Um, they they said Carlos Beltran. That was the only player they said. I think the reason why they say Carlos Beltran is, one, he's in a leadership position now as a manager for the, the Mets. So it's kind of putting it in the Mets' ball court, saying we're not going to do anything to him, but he was a part of it, and he's your manager now. So you might want to take a look at that. Um, I think that's the main reason why they, they put his name into it. Um, and also, I mean, he was probably one of the main people involved with the front office when the Houston Astros were doing it during their World Series run. So I understand he was the only player that, that, that had his name in the, in the report, and that's completely understandable. Uh, but in this situation, Houston was fined $5 million, lost their first and second round draft picks in 2020 and 2021 as well. Their GM and their coach both got fired. Well, actually, from the MLB, got suspended Spend, for a yeah. year, but got fired by the organization. Yeah. Um, so in that situation, I, you know, I think they've been penalized enough, I think. I don't think they need to be, they don't need to be have their, um, their titles taken from them. And I think that's idiotic to me. I think they've gotten enough pe- penalties. I think that people who were involved in it the most were affected the most, and that, that should happen in the first place. So I think everything is fine. I don't think they need to vacate their titles at all. So I agree with you as well. All right, Dylan. Well, let's move on to the next topic. Talk about the recent announcement of the retirement of Luke Kelchi as he is... Did I say that? Keekly. Yes, Keekly. <laughs> Luke Keekly. Luke Keekly, I'm so sorry. Keekly, yep. You can hit me up on Twitter if I offended you, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Luke Keekley. There you go. I'm struggling with names today for some reason. Luke Keekley announced that he's retiring at the age of 28, Dylan. Now, it was tough seeing his video on Twitter and Instagram and seeing his reaction that he still wants to play, but he feels he can't play at a top level. And 
it's tough, Dylan, because he's had a, a lot of concussions. He's been injury prone for the Panthers. And a lot of players I saw on social media, you know, supporting him, saying, hey, man, we're with you. We understand. And Dylan, this is a trend we've been seeing lately, not just Luke Keekley, but we saw earlier in the season in, with uh, Andrew Luck, and we've seen it with last year, Rob Gronkowski, and then a few seasons ago, uh, Calvin Johnson, back when he was with the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. and Megatron, and he retired. So, Dylan, do you think this is a cause of concern with their, some of their top players retiring from the game early? I don't think so. I think it's a very minuscule number of players that are retiring because of injury. I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, with Luke Keekley, I mean, he was a player that played with reckless abandon on the field. He, he threw his body around. He had several concussions like you were alluding to, um, kind of like a Wes Welker type. Wes Welker was the same way. He got a bunch of concussions and he's no longer in the league now. Um, but you know, these players, they, they put themselves, in a situation where they can get injured and they can get concussions and they can get broken bones and they can get things of that nature. So to have a good, um, afterlife after football, um, they want to, you know, retire and get out of the league before they get injured themselves completely. I mean, we see now where they are doing studies, CTE studies where they've, I believe there was a, a one institution that examined 111 NFL players' brains after they had passed away. Um, they donated their brains to research. They uh, looked at 111 of those brains, and 110 of those were affected by CTE. So it, it is a widespread problem. It is a problem in the league they've been trying to address for quite some time now. Even Will Smith had a movie about it that was very well, that did very well in, in the box office, um, talking about CTE. So, I mean, you know, they're doing the right things. They're bringing in new helmets. They're bringing in new technology to try to l- less impact in the game, things of that nature, to still make it a fun game to watch for fans and for viewers. Um, but, you know, it's some one of those things that it's unless very hard. AB. Exactly, unless you're <laughs> AB. Uh, but it's just very hard to eliminate any chance of you getting injured on the football field. I mean, at the end of the day, they do sign the contract to say, hey, look, I'm going to be getting paid. This is much amount of money, $100 million. If you're looking at, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he'll be signing a huge contract um, in the offseason this year. But, you know, these players are signing these huge deals, and the reason why they're signing them is because they, they know there is a chance they're going to get injured on the field, but they are willing to do it because they love the sport they play. Yeah, Dylan. All right. So, Ed Orgeron, I know your thoughts on this, but he claimed after they won their national championship on Monday – we're the best team of all time. Now, I don't know what he means, like, all the college championships, but let's just look at the playoff era from 2014, 2019. Of course, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and now LSU. So, Dylan, what do you think of LSU's Tyler ranks? Do you think they're the best team with a top offense, top defense this season? Or do you think, let's give it some time, see if they win it next year, the year after, and then maybe we can call them a dynasty like Alabama's been lately. I don't think they're going to be in dynasty because we saw the coaching turnover they've had there with offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and their star quarterback too is out of of LSU as well going to the NFL. So I don't think they're going to be a dynasty. However, I do think they rank up there very, very high on the list of all of the greatest team in NCAA history. Um, Offensively, defensively, they, they played some quality opponents. And they went undefeated against 
everybody. Like, they played up against Alabama. They played up against Clemson. They played up against, I mean, all of these teams that they won against. Um, it's Florida. They went up against a bunch of teams that, that had really good teams, had really good defensive defenses, offenses, coaches. Um, I, I could I could safely say that they are probably at least in the top five, if not the top three teams in the NCAA um, history books. I, I think they are one of the top teams. What about you? Yeah, Dylan, if I had to rank the top three teams, I would definitely have this LSU team up there. I would obviously, I mean, I have to do Alabama number one, obviously. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dynasty. But which team. year, though? What, what, what year are we looking at? I want to say it was the year after they lost to Clemson. It was 2017, right? The 2017 season? Because Clemson won in 2016, they won in 2018, and they could have won it this year but lost. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because that team, after getting beat the way they did against Clemson, and then the bounce back and win it the following year against the same opponent, to me, it's very impressive. Uh, Clemson, the team they had last year, beating Alabama 44 to 18 or 20, whatever it was, that was an impressive team. Trevor Lawrence had a great game in that game. And, of course, LSU this year, top offense, top offense. And like you mentioned, they beat everybody, but look at the last three games. Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia. And they scored, like, 130 points to, like, 40 like outshot out outshot these opponents by my fifty points like plus fifty some points still yeah that's just crazy and Joe Burrow throwing for seven touchdowns in the first half of the game against Oklahoma like that it's just insane oh yeah Dylan that was a very impressive performance as a Texas Longhorn fan I'm very happy that <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yes Dylan that was uh, very impressive with that offense and but LSU like we mentioned earlier we'll have to see if they can carry it on next season. I think LSU will be a good team. They'll definitely be up there. But with Alabama, Texas A&M, and who knows about Ole Miss, what they can do with Lane Kiffin and Mississippi State, it's going to be competitive. And look at the East. Like you mentioned, Tennessee, your boys are looking good. Georgia, Florida, looking good as well out there. So we will see what happens in the SEC next season. But it's going to be knockout football each week for sure. Uh, Chad Ochocinco, he is apparently going to try out in the XFL as a kicker. So, Dylan, I mean, my opinion on this, I know after he left the NFL, he did play some soccer. He was with Sporting Kansas City, like, reserve team for a while. Then he was playing down in Boca Raton FC, I believe. He was down there for a while, kicking the ball around. So, I'm not surprised that he's going to try out to kicker, but I'm like, a kicker? I mean, the XFL, to me, I know they're kind of, they're not trying to be like a development for the NFL, but trying to be their own thing, entertainment. But with all the rule changes, I mean... I, I could see Chad Ojocinco maybe, I don't know if he's going to make a team. I'm not saying that, but if he does, I could see him at least being successful. So seeing he's going to be in that league for maybe a year, maybe two. Who knows how long the league's going to last after we have the AAF. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> but I, I think he has a shot. I'll give him that. But Dylan, what are your thoughts? My thoughts, I think that he should have gone out for wide receiver. I, I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, at this point, I still think he has. I mean, if you've seen him recently, he still works out like he worked out in the league. I think he can still, you know, I think it'd be exciting to see Chad Ochocinco being a wide receiver in this league. I think it would draw fans to watch the league. I, I don't think that being a kicker in the league is going to do anything um, for your for your reputation and your stock um, when it comes to, you know, clout in social media. But I, I think that being a wide receiver in the league would be much more beneficial for him instead of being a kicker. 
He's forty two, though, Dylan. Well, yeah, but I mean, still, even Ty, Ty, um, Terrell Owens was talking about coming back in the league and being wide receiver. Calling, um, I think he was he was talking to uh, the the Patriots and said, "Hey, Patriots, if you want to sign me, sign me up. I'm still working out like I'm I'm in the league." So, I mean, I, I can still see him catching the ball. I mean, he might not be as explosive as he was once before, but I can still see him being successful, especially in the XFL. It's kind of, to me, it's like the the ice cube, three-on-three basketball, the big three basketball or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see it exactly like that. I see it. Why not have big names that might be a little older playing this, this game and making it exciting? But, I mean, as a kicker... I, I could see him being successful. I know he has a lot of interest in soccer. He also tweets out to his fans a lot saying, hey, meet me on FIFA 20. I'm going to, you know, kick your butt in FIFA. Like, he plays video games with everybody a lot. So, I mean, who knows? He might be successful. So, we'll see. All right. Now, our last debate, of course, this happened earlier today. We talked about it briefly on our hockey segment. But, of course, Casey Mays at the Vegas Golden Knights announced today that they have part ways with their first ever NHL coach, Jared Gallant. So, Dylan, do you think the Vegas Golden Knights made the right move, and what happens to him now? Uh, you know what? I think that at a certain point with a team, you have to change the voice in the locker room. I don't think it was Gallant's fault that they were losing. I, again, I think it was more on goaltending. I think it was more on defensive lapses. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I mean, it, it, they want to change the system. They want to change it up to see if it might do something different. And at this point, you know, having that coach for two and a half seasons now, I mean, it might it, his message might have been going stale. I mean, especially with the defense. So, who knows? I, I I think it probably was a good decision on their part, and especially if Peter DeBoer was out there and they were worried that Peter DeBoer might be signed by a different team at the end of the season, might as well do it now and not wait until the off season. So, um, I, th- I think it's a good play by them. I think Peter DeBoer was a good hire by them as well. And we'll see what he can do for the rest of the season. But I think that they can make a playoff push, especially with the roster they have. They still have a good roster. So I think Peter DeBoer could put it together, especially defensively, to help out the goaltending a little bit. But I think that it is a good move by the Vegas Golden Knights, and I think they will be successful. I think they can make a playoff push. And um, with that new voice in the locker room, we'll see what happens. JT, what do you think? Yeah, Dylan, I think this is a tough call. But I think the Vegas Golden Knights are taking a huge gamble in this situation. No pun intended, Vegas. But <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I say that, Dylan, is Gerard Gallant had proven with the Knights, he's a good coach. Okay, the first season, he took you to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, you lost to my Capitals. But you made history. His first expansion team to go from nothing to a Stanley Cup final. Then last season, you make it to the Western Conference Finals. And you lose the St. The, the St. Louis Blues, the eventual tank of champion. I mean, Vegas for the two years he was there, Dylan, he was right there, right there. Now I know this year they had been struggling with injuries, as you mentioned, and Andre Mark Andre Fleury with his situation, uh, Malcolm Subban with the injuries, William Carlson being out and now in and out of the lineup. So I think Dylan, yes, they bring in uh, Pete DeBoer, who's a good coach at San Jose, as you mentioned, very defensive coach, and I think he'll do okay with the Vegas Golden Knights. But I think with Jared uh, Gallant, I think if they would have just kept it, even though they were on a four-game losing streak, I think if they would have stayed the course, Vegas would have found a way to make the playoffs. And then who knows? Like I said, the first two years, he's been right there. So who knows? Maybe, the, yeah, they might not get out of the first round, but you wouldn't know unless you kept them. But as you mentioned, they ha- probably felt they had to make a change. In the, maybe he was losing the locker room, and sometimes that happens. So mm-hmm. 
We'll see what happens. I think they're taking a gamble, but we'll have to wait and see. Awesome. Let's move on to our next segment. It's winners and losers. JT, I will start with you first. All right, guys. So my winner this week is the Clemson Tigers, not the football team, the basketball team, as they have made history this past weekend. They went to North Carolina, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. They haven't won there, Dylan, in 59 tries. But this weekend, it was different. They went into overtime, took the Tar Heels toe-to-toe, and they came up with their win, the first win against the Tar Heels in 59 years, Dylan. It's been a long time for the Tigers, but they finally get it done. You didn't think they would top that up? Imagine They went to home to Little John Arena Coliseum on Tuesday night against Duke, and they beat Duke, who was ranked number three, Dylan, number three in the country. They beat Duke, knocked them out of the... They'll probably still be a top 10 team this week, but late or next week, I should say. But that was a very impressive win. You beat the two biggest Carolina rivals, Duke and North Carolina. And they also, Dylan, beat NC State. They beat NC State earlier this year. So wow. I guess you could say they own Tobacco Road. Oh. So that is my winner this week. My loser this week, Dylan, is obviously baseball in the news. Because look at the situation now. You got the Red Sox, you got the Houston Astros. And with Carlos Beltran stepping down, the New York Mets, three teams, Dylan, have to look for a manager. And we have spring training starts less than a month from now. Like, that's just crazy. So, mm-hmm. and these teams, Dylan, they can't just, like, call a team like, hey, uh, Chicago Cubs or L.A. Dodgers, hey, can we get your uh, a manager? Oh, hey, Joe Madden, uh, you want to leave the Angels to come join? No, they can't do that because they're all in contracts. So now what they're going to have to do, Dylan, is they're going to have to talk to Buck Showalter. They're going to have to talk to Dusty Baker. They're going to have to talk to Douglas, the former Blue Jays coach, and bring them in because they're free agents. They're out of contracts. So that's basically these teams' only options at this point with less than a month to go before the spring season starts. But that's my winners and losers. Dylan, we got my winner this week is the WNBA as a whole. The Players Union and the WNBA have come to a tentative terms on a new collective bargaining agreement that has increased their their salary bump to um, 117.5 for the highest paid, up to $215,000 for the highest paid player for their base salary. So that's fantastic for the women's league there. Um, that's a huge move for the league. This is their fifth CBA they've done since 1997, since inception of the league. Um, it's groundbreaking. They also have some um, other things as well, talking about having each player will have their own room when they travel now too, which hadn't been the case since they started. Um, and they also talked about having uh, maternity leave for women who decide to get pregnant um, and have babies and such. And so um, huge move by WNBA for them, huge move for the players. And it's just stepping in the right direction for female athletics um, to where they can they can start making some money as well. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that, Dylan. And hopefully someday the NWSL, the Women's Soccer League, uh, gets to that point. But, yeah, huge news for the WNBA. I'm very big on that, especially that they're upping the salary to five hundred k, five hundred thousand dollars Because before it was $130,000 for the top players. Yeah. And they were making more than that overseas than they were getting. So now they're going to get paid more. To stay home, so that's great news for the WNBA. Yeah, and the Commissioners Cup. That's a pretty interesting wrinkle to that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But who is your loser, Dylan? My loser this week is OBJ. We talked about him earlier oh, in, this, boy. in the episode. He just needs to learn to not put a spotlight on himself when he's doing these 
things that he's doing, like handing out money to players and slapping police officers on the butts. Just don't do that. Don't do it. Just don't do it because the Cleveland Browns are bad enough as it is. Don't make it to where they have to fire you or they have to suspend you because you're doing crazy stuff on the side. Just play football. Just be out there. Be a positive role model for these kids out there that are wanting to play football too. Just, you know, decision-making. Just have good decision-making. That's all you can, I, that's all I can say. So let's move on to final thoughts. JT, I'll start with you first. Well, my final thought's going to be about the big UFC fight that's going to happen this weekend. 246, Conor McGregor, he's coming back, and he's going to be taking on Donald the Cowboy, Cerrone. So looking at this matchup, Dylan, uh, it's going to be a very close battle between these two guys. But Conor McGregor, I think he's going to find a way to get his first victory, get some momentum going back, and then we'll see what happens. You said he wants to fight Floyd Mayweather again and take on the world. So why not, Connor? Go out there, get a win, and get the fans all excited, and then we'll see what happens. Even though Conor McGregor does crazy things, I just like watching him and seeing his what he says on social media just because it's just fun. To, you just never know what he's going to do next, man. You just never know. And he hasn't had a drink since, like, five months ago. Well, that's definitely good. Definitely good yeah, on that. Great. So we'll see. I think he's going to turn around this year. I think he is. But, Dylan, what is your final thought? My final thought goes out to the MLB fiasco that's happening. Um, with the way the league has handled this whole situation, the NFL needs to take note. Roger Goodell needs to be watching what's happening in the MLB because they are doing the right things when it comes to penalizing these clubs for what happened, and it's consistent. I think that's the biggest thing that Roger Goodell needs to work on in the NFL is consistency when it comes to uh, penalizing players, when it comes to penalizing clubs, uh, when it comes to scandals like Spygate and like uh, Deflategate and things of that nature, he just needs to be more consistent. And I think the MLB is putting out to all the leagues out there, not even NFL, just everywhere, saying, look, this is the way penalizing a team for doing something illegal should be done. And I think the MLB is doing a great job from that, um, and they're a shining example of what you should do in cases like this, when it comes to illegal activities leading to championships. And there's your direct quote from Dylan, the Mandalorian, James. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. So thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and you can also listen to us on Sound... Uh, actually, not SoundCloud. Um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pippa, everywhere. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Dylan underscore James. The show is OOB Podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook. It's Out of Bounds with Dylan James. JT, what are your social media handles, sir? You guys can follow me on Twitter at JTSaka88. That's at JTSOCKA88. You can follow me on Instagram at JTSaka Sports. And you can email me. It's JT at Out of Bounds Podcast. Dot com. And have we set up Uncle Bobby's email yet? Not yet. Um, we're working on it. We're working on that. We will have it up by next week. It'll be Uncle Bobby at outofboundspodcast.com. Uncle Bobby at outofboundspodcast.com. You can email me, Dylan at outofboundspodcast.com. Give us some suggestions, tips, um, things you want us to talk about on the show. We're more than happy to listen to your feedback because we're doing this show just for you. Thanks for listening to the show once again. We'll talk to you guys next time. Love.